بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. When we look through the Quran from start to finish, from Surah Al-Fatiha all the way until Surah Al-Nas, without question, if you take a close look and you count which Prophet is mentioned the most by name throughout the Quran, there's no question that is Prophet Musa alayhi salam, that is Prophet Moses himself, peace be upon him. And one of the, and, and there are many, many similarities. It's rather remarkable when you look at the life of Prophet Musa alayhi salam and you compare it specifically to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's absolutely incredible. You find that the number of parallels between them, it's really remarkable, subhanAllah. And this is one of them. When you look at, take Surah Al-Qasas, for example, Surah 28 in the Quran, when you look at the beginning of the surah, you notice something very interesting. From the very beginning of the life of Prophet Musa السلام, he has the support in particular of a number of women, a number of girls around him. So the first one that you find is his mother, Ummi Musa, the mother of Musa السلام. So you find her, of course, playing the, the extremely important role of the mother, and you find, it's very interesting, when, when she would fear for him, she would put him <coughs> in, a, in, a, in a basket, basically. And she would put that in the water and she would tie it to something. Long story short, eventually, one day that basket floats down the river. And of all places, it ends up on the banks of the palace of none other than Fir'aun himself. The very person she was terrified for the life of her baby, she was terrified of that same Fir'aun. Because every other year, so actually initially, Fir'aun, he had this dream, and the interpretation of that dream, when, when he mentioned it to his advisors, was that one of, the, one of the children, one of the boys of Bani Israel will take your kingdom from you. So his response was, he's just going to kill all the male babies from Bani Israel. In his mind, in his tyrannical mind, that was his simple solution. But then you had the upper class coming to him because Ben Yisrael, by this point, they were lower, lower class. Initially, they were upper class. You had Prophet Yusuf السلام, bringing his family there and they settled you know, in the upper realm of society, you could say. But then one thing led to another. Eventually, they end up at the bottom of the totem pole. And you find the, the upper class at that time going to Fir'aun and complaining to him that, look, if you kill all of their male children, Eventually, we're going to have to do, the, to do the labor ourselves. You know, we, we can't do that, that. So they have no problem with the fact that many thousands of babies are losing their lives. They have no hesitation in that regard. So long as it's not affecting them, so long as they're cozy, then, then you know, they're okay, they're content. So they complain to Fir'aun that if you, take, you know, if you take away this entire generation of male children, then eventually things are going to go sour for us. So then Fir'aun, he thought, okay, I'm going to you know, apply this practice every other year. So actually, a lot of people may not realize this, Harun is older than Musa salam. Harun salam, he was born Aaron, he was born in a safe year, you could say. But then when Prophet Musa was born, he was born in a year of danger. So his mother is extremely worried, she's pregnant with this baby, she's extremely worried for this baby, why? Primarily because of the same Fir'aun. But then you look at Allah's plan, Right? right? Some people they plan and they plot and they, they plot against Allah's deen. They try and they try and they try. But in reality, it's like they're trying to spit at the sun. 
One, you're not going to put out the light of the sun. You can't put out the light of the sun, period, especially not with your spit. And that spit is going to come back on you. Right? People try to plan Allah has his plan. So Fir'aun, he, the, the, the same Fir'aun, the mother of Musa, right, who's terrified because her, her baby may lose his life. So eventually this baby goes down the, uh, in the box, in the basket, it goes down the river, it ends up of all places on the banks of the palace of Fir'aun. The palace of Fir'aun. And who scoops him up? None other than the wife of Fir'aun, Sayyidah Asiya, radiallahu anha. But you notice something in between. The mother of Musa tells the sister of Musa, the older sister of Musa, قَالَتْ لِأُخْتِهِ Follow him. So she follows him, and she's this super intelligent young girl. And when, when Musa ends up on the banks of the palace of, of Fir'aun, and of all people, the wife of Fir'aun scoops him up, but she's a good person, she's a believer, she has a very pure heart. So she manages to convince Fir'aun, right? You know, for this one, don't touch this one. You know, maybe we can adopt him. And in Fir'aun's mind, you know, mathematically, 0.1% chance, what's the likelihood? So he kind of goes along with it. But Allah's plan is Allah's plan. How does this connect with the beginning of the life of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So you notice from the beginning of the life of Musa, you have his mother playing an extremely pivotal role. You have his sister playing, saving his life. Because when he's scooped up, he ends up in the palace of Fir'aun. Allah willed that he would not breastfeed from anyone. But then this really intelligent you know, girl who did not disclose that she was his sister, she has this really clever way of, you know, nonchalantly, just casually mentioning, you know, I might know someone who might be able to help with this. So lo and behold, Musa ends up being fed by his biological mother, right? Because that's the recommendation of his sister, but they didn't know that was his sister. So his mother ends up getting paid under the safety of the same guards that she was fearful of, who were going to potentially kill her son, those same guards are now protecting her so she can feed her son, and she's getting paid by the same Fir'aun, subhanAllah. This is Allah's plan. From the beginning, you have the role of his mother, the role of his sister, and the role of his foster mother, Sayyidah Asiya, one of the greatest women to ever live, as the Prophet taught us, How does this connect with the seerah bite for tonight, the life of the Prophet From the beginning of the life of the Prophet, of course you have naturally the extremely important role of his mother Amina, and then also her servant Baraka, who would later become Um Ayman, who by the way was, was from Abyssinia, modern day East Africa, and then also Halima al-Sa'diya, radiallahu anha. And you find that each of them played an extremely pivotal role in his life, basically from the beginning. And the, 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 the gem that I want to, to connect us with, again, on a practical level, we don't just want to learn, we want to live. <laughs> we ask Allah to make us from among them. We want to put these ideas into practice as best we can on a day-to-day level. As soon as, as, soon as Halima takes... takes uh, she, she takes the responsibility of taking care of, of baby Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As soon as she, she, she has that authority to take care of him, because this was part of the practice of the, the Arabs at that time, so on and so forth. Now, on the way into Mecca, you notice something, and, and we can look into this on our own time. Her, her riding animal, right, was very weak, and, and, so there were, there were, and it was very slow. Right? And then they were also struggling with famine, you know, their, their, their tribe. And there were a lot of issues. 
But as soon as she had custody, that was the word I was looking for, custody of the Prophet ﷺ, then on the way back she has the same riding animal. The same riding animal. But then now it's the fastest one. And then now it's, you know, when they get back, other people are struggling with famine, but, but their animals, they're full of milk. And you find the barakah in her life as soon as she took custody of the Prophet. And initially she was, she was hesitant because he was an orphan. His father, Abdullah, passed away before he was born. And she, she's wondering, she and her husband, if we take care of this orphan, then are we going to get paid, you know, very much? And, but then, you know, there were no other takers and things didn't work out. Fate would have it that she would, she didn't want to go back empty-handed. So she and her husband agreed, okay, we're going to take care of this orphan boy. And as soon as that happened, you find these amazing improvements within their lives. In, within their lives, subhanAllah, to the point, initially they were hesitant. Then they have custody of, of the Prophet when he's a baby, والسلام, and then some time passes, and then she goes to negotiate with Amina, can we keep him longer? Right? Can we keep him longer? We, we, we don't want to let, this, to let this boy go. Even she herself had her own biological son, her own baby boy. Before taking custody of the Prophet, she was struggling to produce milk. They, 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 were, they were very, very poor at that time. But then all of a sudden, even she herself is producing more milk, benefiting the Prophet, and then also benefiting her biological son. You have all of this barakah connected with the Prophet So on a practical level, what we want to take from this, if we invite the Prophet, figuratively speaking, into our hearts and our lives, we also hope for improvements. We also hope for benefits. We also hope for doors to open regarding both deen and dunya. There's no question deen is the most important. But you notice even in terms of their dunya, Allah helped them and gave barakah and gave barakah and gave barakah. And it wasn't until there was the angelic heart surgery that she went and returned the Prophet to her mother, Amina. Amina would pass away soon afterwards. But the, 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 the main point that we want to take from this, that no man is an island. None of us can do it alone. From the beginning of the life of Prophet Musa, he has a lot of support. From the beginning of the life of Prophet Muhammad he has a lot of support. So again, tying in with last night, let's take a look at how we treat the women in our lives and see how can we step our game up a little bit? How can we appreciate them a little bit more? How can we make improvements? How can we show our appreciation to them? Notice, Amina, Halima, Baraka. These are all women supporting him, taking care of him, nourishing him. Right? The Prophet doesn't just become who he becomes at the age of 40 out of nowhere. And then later you have Khadija, so on and so forth. But we want to invite the Prophet into our hearts and our lives. And we ask Allah to, to show us improvements in our lives by doing so. So when we send salawat on the Prophet, it's not an empty practice. It's filled with more barakah than we realize regarding both deen and dunya. We ask Allah to increase all of us in love for the Prophet And we ask Allah to gather us with him in the hereafter. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.